So today we're starting a new series. It's the last series of 2021. Do you believe it? We're almost at the end of 2021 already. Called Prepare the Way. And if you're wondering prepare the way for what, it's actually prepare the way for whom. We're preparing the way for Jesus. I remember back when I was a little boy in Gypsy, Pennsylvania, this season of year, Christmas, was my favorite time of year. And that's probably because it was Ruth Marshall's favorite time of year. And Ruth was my mom. And every year at this time, she did four things. She started baking. She started baking right after Thanksgiving all the way through Christmas. The next thing she did, started decorating. Everything in the house and outside the house got decorated. Then she started buying presents. And the last thing she did was she cleaned the house. Now, that last one might not seem like it fits in that list, but if you knew my mother, um, if you've ever heard the saying, a place for everything and everything in its place, well, my mom never heard that saying, or if she did, she didn't believe in it, which if you know me pretty well, that might explain a few things too. But anyway, once a year, my mother cleaned the house. It was the week, a couple weeks before Christmas. And uh, we had a coal furnace when I was a little boy, so the, the walls would get dirty. You had to clean them, wash them down. And so one year, I think I was about five, my brother Ken was about three, and typically what she would do is she would have us, well, I would sit in one chair in the living room, Ken would sit in the other while she did the cleaning. Now, um, you might think that would be a pretty boring thing for a five-year-old and a three-year-old to watch mom clean the house, but actually not so much. Because my mother would sing Christmas carols and we would sing, then she would tell us stories, and then she would bring us cookies that were coming out of the oven as they were coming out of the oven. And I got to sit in the chair. I don't know if you're old enough to remember chairs like this. They were sort of rectangular shaped. They were made out of vinyl uh, on the outside, and they had uh, these four legs, and there was a spinner thing, so you could spin all the way around. But I would sit in that chair, and I would spin around and around and around until the cookies almost came out. But anyway, it was a fun time. And then the other thing I remember is from an early age, probably five, six, my mother got my brother Ken and I to start helping decorate the Christmas tree. But as with everything about Christmas, it had to be just right. The lights had to be in exactly the right place. Your ornaments couldn't be too close to each other. And when you got the icicles out, one strand at a time on one branch at a time. That's the way it was. Now, if you're wondering, why am I going into such detail to talk about Christmas when I was growing up? Because when I was growing up, there was so much attention paid to Christmas in the Marshall household, but I went to Gypsy Christian Church, and they didn't really pay that much attention to Christmas. In fact, we never had a Christmas Eve service. I never knew there was such a thing as a Christmas Eve service until I became a teenager. And then, huh, whenever I was a teenager, I started dating this young lady right over here. Her name was Nancy Fairman at the time. She went to the Presbyterian Church in Crickside, or Creekside, depending on how you like to pronounce that. Anyway, the first year we went there, this time of year, they called it Advent. I had never heard the word Advent, not, not, didn't know what it meant, so the word Advent means coming. And, and that they specifically meant the coming of Jesus. And, and I thought, well, Jesus has already come. Why are we having Advent? And, and as I thought about it, I thought about something else. I realized this. Jesus came 2,000 years ago, and he's coming again. So when we talk about preparing our hearts, what we're going to be talking about is preparing our hearts for Jesus to come. Not the first time, because that already happened, but the second time. And we're going to be talking about preparing our hearts today. Next week, it's going to be prepare our homes. The next week, it's going to be prepare our communities. The next week, prepare our world. And that's really sort of how Jesus works from the, from the personal, from you and me to the world. But anyway, as we're thinking about this, I want you to remember something. Jesus never told us to celebrate his birthday. I don't think he's against it. 
But I don't think, you know, he, he told us to remember his death. In fact, when I think about this time of year and I think about Jesus being born in the manger, I think about him growing up and becoming the man of God that he obviously was, the son of the living God, and about his teaching, which was perfect, and his life, which was perfect, and then his death on the cross, his resurrection, and then he returned to heaven. And according to the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul says, this is what Jesus is doing right now at this very moment. It says, he is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So right now, Jesus is interceding. If you don't know what that word means, God the Father and human beings are separated by sin. And so the person who intercedes stands between these two people who have a problem with each other to bring them back into relationship. And that's what Jesus did when he came to earth. He reconciled the world to himself. And so as we think about preparing the way now, what does that exactly mean in 2021? Well, that depends on uh, whether we're remembering something very vital about Jesus. And that is when Jesus left the earth, he promised to return. Jesus promised that he would return. Now, because the disciples of Jesus, called the apostles after his resurrection and return to heaven, the apostles knew that Jesus kept every promise he ever made. So what they believed when Jesus left, they said, he said he's coming back. So they assumed he would be back in the next couple years. Maybe 10 years, maybe 15. That's why the Gospels weren't written right away. I mean, why would you write down what Jesus did when he's coming back right away? So they didn't write him down right away. They wrote him down. Actually, a couple decades later, they started to realize, wait a minute, he said he's coming back soon, but maybe it's not as soon as we think. And so they started writing down the accounts of Jesus' life. And, you know, Paul had written a a lot of things. And the, the reality is, here at New Life, we believe that Jesus always told the truth, And so we believe that Jesus is coming back soon. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, isn't it about 2,000 years late for him to come back soon? Well, if you're a human being, certainly. But what if you're God? Because in Psalm chapter 90, this is what we find out about time. If you're God, it says this, For you, a thousand years are as a passing day, as brief as a few night hours. So Jesus has only been gone from earth for a couple days. The way he thinks. So he might come back tomorrow. And that tomorrow might be actual tomorrow in our time, or it might be another thousand years. We're not sure exactly. So we wait and wait from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. And you know what happens when it gets to be as many generations as it's been? Some people forget. They forget that Jesus is coming back. Even Christians forget that Jesus said, I'm coming back soon, which could be today, could be tomorrow or next week. We don't know for sure. But after all the time, Here's what happens. Here's the challenge. When we forget Jesus' promise to return, we eventually forget to be prepared for it. If we don't think that Jesus is coming back soon, and we don't maybe think he's coming back at all, what do we do? We focus on this life. We focus on what's going on right here and right now. We focus on making money, taking care of our family. We focus on the kind of things that fill up most people's days every single day. So Jesus told us something about when he's going to come back. He said it's going to be like a thief in the night. Nobody's going to know when it comes. I mean, if if you knew when the thief was coming in the middle of the night, you called the police before they came, they'd be waiting. You wouldn't have any worry about that. Jesus also said that the coming back of, uh, uh, his coming back would be like a king who went away on a journey and left his servants in charge. And in that story, we're the servants, and we're left in charge of our time, our talents, our treasure, and touch, and we're supposed to take good care of them until he returns. So here's the question. Do you think about Jesus' return? How often do you think about Jesus' return? Do you think about it every day? So today, 
as I said, our focus is on preparing our hearts for Jesus' return. And each week during this um, Advent season, this Christmas season, we're going to be focusing a little broader, a little more broad, you know, our families, our communities, our world. And on Christmas Eve, we're going to focus on the message, Jesus, you're welcome here. Because we want to be ready individually, corporately, when Jesus returns. So that's why today's take-home point focuses on you and me. Here it is, the take-home point for those of you who are new. It's the one point that I'm making in the message from Scripture that we want to take home and live out in the week ahead. It is, to be ready for Jesus' coming, we must prepare our hearts. To be ready for Jesus' coming, we must prepare our hearts. A couple weeks in a row, I quoted a verse from the Scriptures about what happens when we open up our mouths. Remember, we had that series called Our Big Fat Mouth, My Big Fat Mouth, Yours, whatever. Anyway... I I said this from Jesus. Jesus' words are, out of the abundance or overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, in the world of science, the heart is really nothing more or less than a pump. And uh, it pumps blood throughout our system. It brings oxygen to all the parts of our body and takes the waste material back out so it can be expelled by our lungs. That's what the heart is and does. But we all know that the heart is more than that. At Valentine's especially, it's the center of our emotions, right? But For Jesus, it was much more than that. The heart is the actual center of our being. It's who we are. And that's why Jesus said, whatever's in our heart will eventually come out in our thoughts, our words, and our actions. That's what will happen in our lives whenever our hearts are good, which can only happen when Jesus is in charge of them. Out will come good words and good thoughts and good actions. And when they're not, then not so much. So, in the first century of the Christian era... When the Apostle Paul was planting churches all over the place, he planted a church in a place called Corinth. And some of the believers in Corinth decided that Jesus had never risen from the dead. And they decided, therefore, that nobody was going to rise from the dead. The Apostle Paul had to address that kind of thinking. Because the reality is, as he's going to tell us, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we might as well have gone tailgating for the Steeler game before this. Or we might have stayed home and done something else. But here's what Paul wrote. This is a very powerful passage. It's in 1 Corinthians 15, and it says this. But tell me this. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. So everything in our faith as followers of Jesus, rises and falls on Jesus' resurrection. If Jesus rose from the dead, then we're going to rise from the dead. If Jesus rose from the dead, he returned to heaven and he's coming back. All of those claims are true. But what if he didn't? If he didn't rise from the dead, the first thing that's really true is we're still all in our, dead in our sin. Because we believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. If he didn't die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin and rise from the dead, then he isn't who he says he is. So our sins, as Paul said, are still on us. The other thing is, why would he say 
if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, that we're of all people the most to be pitied. He said that because if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we might as well do what the world says. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Because if this life is it, then we might as well have as much fun as we can in this life. But if Jesus is who he says he is, and he did rise from the dead, and he is coming back, then that's why we ought to live our lives all in. We talked about that all the time here at New Life, about living all in for God, all in for Jesus. We ought to live all in for somebody who died and rose again and went to heaven and is interceding for us right now and is coming back to establish his kingdom forever. And that's how we are living if we are preparing our hearts for his return. We need to do that every single day. Now, as we think about what it means to prepare our hearts, we're going to turn to a scripture. And I'm going to tell you right up front, it's about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was not a nice guy. You know, you think of religious people, pastors, preachers, prophets, that they're nice guys. No, John was a tough guy, a very tough guy, and he had a tough message. And we're going to read it here, but before we do that, let's pray together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that Jesus did come here. He left heaven, came to earth as a little baby. He grew up, he became that perfect man and God that he is. And he died in our place to pay the penalty for our sin, rose from the dead, returned to be with you, and one day we'll return. And God, as we think about preparing our hearts today, I pray that as we read the words about John and the words that John said about Jesus, that they will penetrate our hearts, our spirits, our souls, our lives, that we might live in this season prepared, prepared for your return, whether it's to today, tomorrow, or not in, in our lifetime, that we will be ready because his return is sure. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So in Matthew chapter 3, if you want to follow along in your Bible, verse 1 we're going to start, it says this, In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So John's first message is repent. Repent literally means in the Greek to change your mind, to have a different way of living and seeing your life. It can mean turn around, to come back from sin, come back to new life. If you've ever been on a street corner in a city and you've heard somebody shout, repent, that's John the Baptist. That's John the Baptist's message. He came to tell us to change the way we live. Why? Because he believed that Jesus was going to come to restore Israel to greatness. Israel had been almost the focus of the Middle East at one point when King David was the king, King Solomon was king, but they had fallen from that. The nation had been destroyed. They'd been carried off into exile, first by Assyria in the north, Babylon in the south, and then other countries had come along, including Greece, and now it was Rome was putting Israel under its thumb. But John knew the Messiah was coming. The Messiah, God's anointed one, was coming and he would restore everything to the way it had been to Israel's former greatness. John looked backwards to that time when Israel was something and he looked forward to the time and it was coming. And he knew it and he was getting people ready for it. He said the first thing we need to do is repent so we will be ready. So let's take a look, a little bit closer look at John. It says the prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food he ate locusts and wild honey. Now you might read those words and go, yuck, locusts and wild honey? It doesn't sound like the best diet. He wore camel's hair? That seems a little awkward. The reason is every, every reader 
who had read this in the first century, who was Jewish by background, would have known that John was the same as Elijah. Because Elijah wore the same stuff, ate the same stuff, was just as powerful. And Elijah preached and prophesied in a time when King Ahab and Jezebel the queen were king and queen in Israel. It was one of the most wicked um, reigns in history, in the history of Israel. And so John was the same kind of a preacher as Elijah, and he was proclaiming the news that the Messiah was coming, and we got to get ready for it by repenting. So then it says, here's what happened. People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. So John drew large crowds that came out from Jerusalem, from all of the Jordan area, and even from farther away. Now, how was that possible? They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have newspapers. How did they find out? Well, everybody who heard John went and told somebody else. They went back home and said, hey, you've got to come out. John, you know, John's out here. He's saying the Messiah's coming. And so hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people eventually came, and they were baptized. Now, it's not the kind of baptism that we do when we baptize somebody who trusts Jesus as Savior and Lord. That's a different thing. Jesus told us to be baptized in his name, name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This was purely a baptism that symbolized cleansing from sin, a, a renewing of our hearts. So repentance and change, John was saying, get your heart ready, and some people were getting ready. Now, in addition to the people who were getting ready, there was another group of people who weren't getting ready. They were the religious people in the, in the, in the nation of Israel, and if we know anything about them from that time, we know that they were tending to stand back and look, observe, and then judge. And so they came out to see John, and here's what happened. It says, but when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptized, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed. Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we are safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees, Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. So John saw through the religious leaders' appearance of holiness and their desire to look like they were godly people. And he told them to remember something, that repentance is not a matter of words, but action. Repentance isn't something we think about only. It's something that causes our thinking to change so that our whole lives are different. And, and as John said these things, it reminds us of Jesus who said the very same thing, that our words and our actions demonstrate what fills our hearts. When our words come out, people hear them, and they can tell right away what's inside of our heart by what the words are and how they come out. When we, they see us acting, they can see right away who we are. They can see whether we are really transformed in here or not. And that's what John was saying. So preparing our heart for Jesus' return starts with repentance and then living lives that reflect Jesus. So the Pharisees and Sadducees, they didn't think that that was necessary. They were relying on their heritage. They pointed back to Abraham. They said, Abraham's our father. And it was interesting because that was true. If they, many of the Pharisees could actually trace their lineage all the way back to Abraham. And in the Jewish nation, that was a big deal. And so they thought because Abraham was their forefather, they were safe. And this is what um, John made very clear. God doesn't have grandchildren. 
In fact, God's children in every generation become God's children through a transformation of our hearts. It doesn't matter if, if Nancy and I are following God. That doesn't mean our children will be automatically included in the, in the club, in the family. If you have children, it doesn't mean they're automatically included in the, the family of God. They're going to have to make their own commitment. Their hearts are going to have to be repenting and changing and being transformed too. So, now here's the thing. When John said that the judgment of God was coming, remember he said the axis of God's judgment is laid at the root of the tree, which means the tree is going to die. It's going to fall over. He was right and he was wrong. He thought Jesus was coming in his first coming to judge the world. In his first coming, Jesus said, I have come not to judge the world, but to save the world. In fact, in John chapter 3, there's this long um, passage of Scripture where Nicodemus, a Pharisee, comes at night to see Jesus, and Jesus tells Nicodemus he has to be born again. More about that in a moment. But he also says at the end of that passage, I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save the world. So let's look at John's final words about Jesus from today's text. He says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. So again, John was right and wrong about what Jesus came to do. When he said that Jesus was going to you know, baptize us with the Holy Spirit in fire, that's true. That's what John, or Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, that we have to be born again. We're all born physically, otherwise we wouldn't be here today, but we have to be born again spiritually, and that's what Jesus came to do the first time, to bring salvation, to bring the Holy Spirit and his power to our lives. But John the Baptist didn't realize that Jesus would die for the salvation of the world and rise from the dead and go away and come back. And the next time he comes, when he returns this time, judgment will be with him. He will be judging those who do not know him as Savior and Lord. So we live in this time that biblical scholars call the time between the times. Jesus came, Jesus is coming. But right now, Jesus already came. He hasn't yet come. So we're living in this time between when Jesus came to bring salvation and the power of the Holy Spirit into our lives and the time when he returns to establish his eternal kingdom forever. So that's why we need to prepare our hearts now. Practically speaking, preparing our hearts is nothing more or less than giving them over to Jesus as Savior, which means rescuer from sin and death, and Lord, which means owner. Many of us have done that or at least we've said that we've done that at some point in our lives. John re would remind us that our lives must reflect what we say we've done. Because what is in our hearts always comes out in our lives. I want to say that one more time. If I open up my mouth and out come pleasant, encouraging, loving, caring words, then you would conclude over time, if that's all that ever came out, that there must be a good heart in here. But if I open up my mouth and out came words that would make a sailor blush, then probably there's a cha challenge there. My heart hasn't yet been as redeemed and renewed as I think it has. Jesus himself said this, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. So many claim to follow Jesus, but their hearts haven't yet 
been turned over to him. During this Advent or Christmas season, what we're going to do is we're going to prepare ourselves every single weekend and hopefully every single day for Jesus' return. It's always helpful for us to stop and to reflect. I've been encouraging people in other services to simply do this. This afternoon when you go home, just stop for a moment and say, have I thought about Jesus' return? Have I realized that he might come back today? And then tomorrow, if he doesn't come back today, then wake up tomorrow morning and say, Jesus might come back today. And if he doesn't come back tomorrow, then the next day you wake up, if you wake up, (laughs) say, today might be the day. Because when we think about it, when we get it in the front of our minds, then we will start to realize that we need to be ready. All these things that John said, all the things John said about Jesus are true. That he came to bring salvation, that he came to bring judgment, that he came to baptize, that that he's going to come one day again. John thought it was all in one, but Jesus has already done the one part. That is bring salvation to us, bring the opportunity to live the kind of lives that reflect Jesus, and now he's going to return one day to bring salvation and judgment. The salvation is going to be history and the judgment is going to be present. So here's today's next step. For those of you who are new, the next step is an action point. What am I going to do this week because I was here today? And here it is. I will prepare my heart for Jesus' presence in every moment. Now, if you're thinking, every moment? I mean, can I really be ready every moment? The answer to that is yes. Do I have to think about it every moment? No. Like something can be in the back of your mind and you know it's a reality that you're ready for, and you don't have to be consciously thinking about it. In fact, really, the preparation for Jesus should be so automatic at this point in our lives that we're ready, that we just, you know, live ready. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, there are a lot of things that all of us will do when we wake up tomorrow morning. Some of us will wake up and slam the alarm clock, you know, shut. Uh, and, and we don't want to, or we'll put on snooze and we'll go back to sleep for 15 more minutes. Whatever it is. Some of us are going to get up early to go hunting. Some of us are going to sleep in because we don't have to get up early and go to school. There's going to be all these different options and possibilities. But the very first thing I would encourage all of us to do before we do any of that, any of the stuff that's of this temporal world, I would encourage us to put our minds and our hearts, our spirits, our lives in focus. In focus of Jesus, who is the center of all reality for all time. He is going to return. He is coming. Is your heart ready? Is my heart ready? Because if it is, praise God. If it isn't ready, then there's no time that's better than right now to start getting ready. We are spiritual beings. At the core, we are spiritual beings. We're not physical beings looking for a spiritual, you know, opportunity. A lot of people think that. I'm I'm a spiritual person. I'm searching for my whatever. You don't have to search. You're already a spiritual being. And what we really need to do is lock into the relationship with the living God of the universe because the physical experience we're going through now called, we call life, will end someday. Either in a year, 10 years, 100 years, 150 at the most. And when it's over, we're going to have that spiritual reality forever. John Nuzo, a good friend of mine, pastor of Victory Family Church, often says, we all have eternal life. The only question is where we're going to live it. Is it going to be with Jesus or separated from Jesus? Forever is a long time. And that's why we need to prepare our hearts now for Jesus' return. Amen? So the beginning of preparing our hearts for Jesus' return is turning the, the heart, 
our life over to Jesus as Lord, which as I said means owner, as Savior, which means rescuer from sin and death. You know, a lot of people say, well, I trusted Jesus as my Savior and Lord, so I'm going to go to heaven someday. That's a true statement, but it's a very weak view of what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to save us so that our lives could be transformed here and now so we can live every day in the power of Jesus. So if you've never done that before, if you've never trusted Jesus, Savior and Lord, here at New Life, we say it's simple, but it's not easy. It's as simple as A, B, C. A, admit. Admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you're broken. Admit that your heart is not pure. B is believe. Believe that Jesus is who he said he was, the son of the living God, that he died and rose again and is right now interceding for you and one day he will return. And then C, confess. Confess the sins, not just admit them to yourself, but confess them to God. And then confess to other people that Jesus is your Lord. It's not something that we have to do like in a, a bragging kind of way. This season of year is probably the easiest season of year. People are already at least a little bit thinking about Jesus, his birth. So just whenever you do something that other people say, thank you, you know, or if they say, why are you, why are you doing that? Not just because of Jesus. And just leave it at that. If they take the bait and they want to talk more, go ahead. If they don't want to talk more, that's fine. You've just done it because you're part of the family of Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming back. And while we don't know when, we know that he is. And we need to prepare our hearts. And the only way that our hearts can be prepared for him is if he is the Lord and Savior of our lives. And if Jesus is not yet the Lord and Savior of your life, today's the day. Please pray with me. Dear God, I admit that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I confess that I am a sinner and I confess that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. And Lord, I just ask that you will continue to prepare my heart and prepare my life for the return of Jesus. Whether I'm here when he comes back or whether I go to meet him before then, I just pray that my heart will always be ready for Jesus. In your name I pray, amen.